0: Welcome to Movies Charles Hasn't Seen, episode 56. My name is Crossman.
1: I'm Wilson. And I'm
0: Charles. And this week, stay tuned to the end of the podcast for our new segment. Yeah. we tease that. We got big plans. Yeah. But this week, we watched the 2006 movie Inside Man.
2: So, Charles, tell us about it. Okay. So, in Inside Man, a bunch of robbers take over a bank, take hostages, uh, and they dress up all the hostages in, like, painter's suits to match their own. Uh, And then there's a. many days long standoff with the police trying to obviously get the hostages free and negotiate with the robbers the negotiations don't really get anywhere um, but the police suspect that the robbers are just trying to stall for time and in the end the robbers just kind of out of the jail with all the hostages and they're all dressed alike, so the police can't tell who's who. And they end up interrogating all of the people in these painter's suits who they found, but can't determine who were the innocent people and who were the robbers. And so they kind of get away and like none of the money was stolen, nobody was killed in the end. But it turns out that the lead robber had been hiding in a storage room because they built a little bit of wall space for him and hid it. So he hid in there for a week and got out and he had stolen some a bunch of diamonds from a safety deposit box that wasn't recorded with the bank, so it essentially didn't exist. So he got to get away with not committing a crime, but taking all these diamonds. And he also let out that the owner of the bank had ties with the Nazis back in World War II, and that's how he made enough money to start the bank. Um, so he got that information out, and the lead police detective looked into that and got that information out.
1: Yeah. I, that about covers it. Yeah, uh, this was this is your pick, uh, <clears throat> Crossman. This is kind of a deep cut. Like I, I feel like this is not remembered alongside Spike Lee's other movies, even though I think it's a really good movie. Um, so, what makes your big deep for Inside Man? Here?
0: I think it's it's a fun like heist movie. I think it showcases um, a few different things here. Um, so incredible cast: mm-hmm. Jodie Foster, Christopher Palmer, Clive Owen. All Denzel Washington. And, and Denzel, obviously, <laughs> yeah. good Denzel. Yes, uh, yeah.
1: he's better <laughs> in this than he was he's, in Training he's, Day. He's at the right level of Denzel. Yeah,
0: I think he is. Yeah, he's reeled in a bit more in this, but I <laughs> think that shows that Spike Lee's uh, skill as uh, a director. Spike Lee is a director. Kind of a weird movie for him in in his career, but I, I think it's a great film. Um, it does a really good. Like this is how, this is like a great nice film. It's very clever, even though you like know things at the beginning they miss they like pull it over on you a few Mm -hmm. times in clever ways so very well written script and incredibly well acted i think everybody in this comes off like really really well yeah Uh, very like in like tense scenes in this film they're shot really well yeah it's just like a clever movie that's really fun to watch yeah
1: yeah. I mean, it feels yeah. like one of those movies where when you talk about it, it's just like a list of things that worked, right? It's yeah. just like it's this thing that they yeah. did well. here's this was well executed. This was fun. This, I mean, it, it's just one of those movies where it's just so proficiently made throughout. Yeah. that They're like talking about it almost feels unnecessary, which isn't safe to turn off the podcast. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it, it's one of those things where it's like it's just on the screen, right? Like it's just so evident what is going on um, and what is working here that it. it it's, it's not a sign of good filmmaking, um, I think. Uh,
0: what, yeah, I well, agree.
1: Okay, what do you think about this one, uh, Charles? Do we, we find I get... pretty
2: much agree with you guys. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Finally, it was quite
0: entertaining. Broke the streak of
2: duds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Denzel is obviously extremely charismatic and fun to watch. Um, the dialogue writing was a lot of fun mm-hmm. to listen to. Um, the plot and the heist were pretty clever. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, That's just all day. good experience. All those things.
0: So uh, we can start with Denzel. So sure. uh, we didn't like Training Day as, as a group. Mm-hmm. Uh, Correct. Uh, D- Denzel was kind of like off the chain in that movie. Here, he's a bit more real Dan. Uh, yeah. yeah. But he still is like unpredictable in a lot of ways, which I think is kind of the charm of, of yeah. Denzel. And he's, he's unpredictable <laughs> in a way that... Yeah.
1: It's, it seems, I to say, unpredictable in a way that makes sense, but yeah. like fits within the movie and serves the movie, yeah. right? rather yeah. than in Training Day where I felt like it was just Denzel having maybe less respect for his director yeah. as a okay. younger director.
0: <laughs> and uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor places his par- right. partner in this film, important to note that he's in this film yeah. as well, um, and plays off him well.
1: Yeah, it's one Uh, of those performances that is super important and hard to do and never gets any attention.
0: And is really quiet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Yeah. Opposite Denzel.
1: Like, Uh. it's so important for him to be there and to not just be, like, a stiff, right? Mm -hmm. But to also be in service to the film and to Denzel Washington, who's more important here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think to underline, like, the randomness of Denzel's character, he'll be in conversation and his mood will change dramatically from sentence to sentence. So he'll be like interrogating people and they'll be like really quiet and then he'll yeah. start laughing and like like it'll be a joke and then he'll go serious again like really fast. And like, right. yeah, he's just like all over. Yeah, and, well, I mean, yeah.
1: that's a Denzel thing and it's yeah. also a cop thing right? Because yeah. they have these interrogation scenes, you know, sprinkled throughout the movie, mm-hmm. and I think he does that the most during those scenes, Yeah, and that's a very cop move, right? Yes. Like when they're interrogating someone to keep them on edge and to make, put them in an, an uncomfortable situation by acting erratically uh, in a way that they cannot foresee. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it makes sense for him to be doing that because it's a thing that Denzel Washington does, but it also made sense in this movie that this police officer would be doing that, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. thought. Um, how do th- what do you think about Denzel here,
2: Charles. Yeah, I mean, I I loved his character. It was just so much fun to watch. Um, I mean, we brought up Training Day before, and I thought in Training Day maybe he was a little over-the-top, a little too cartoonish. But here, uh, you get some of the same elements of that sort of character where he's like, you know, like you said, unpredictable, but also very charismatic, very lively, very cocky. Um, And it was just so much fun to see on screen here.
1: And he felt more like a person here, I think, yeah. as
2: opposed to Alfonso in in Training Day, yeah. right? Where like they're, they're both characters with
1: money problems, right? Mm-hmm. But Alfonso's money problem is he owes a million dollars to the Russian mob by midnight, <laughs> and this guy's money problem is he's a little slow to get his promotion, and that means that he can't marry the woman that he likes and get a bigger apartment, which is like a much more human... no, no. no. He had
0: other external money problems as well. Oh yeah, there he was like...
1: accused. He was falsely accused of uh, of stealing that money. Yes, but, like the, his more fundamental problem. Because like, th- that was just a cause for his real problem, which is his salary wasn't as large as he would like it to be. Yes, it was just so much more relatable, right? Like, yes. it's just something that nearly everybody <laughs> has experienced at some point or another, and that to me just made it feel like a much more lived-in, uh, believable character.
2: Yeah, and he had to. He also had to switch a bit to serious and vulnerable after the robbers execute a hostage. Yeah, supposedly right, mm-hmm. and then he like storms up and, and starts like freaking out a bit yeah. at Clive Owen. And You can visibly see that he's been perturbed, and that's like the first time in the whole movie that you see that he's actually bothered by there's something. A, yeah, there's a break.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, and you have that great shot, right? I think it was right after that, where it's this tracking shot of him like walking away from
2: that. The, I thought was a little peculiar. It was cause, peculiar, but because I mean, he was like very clearly riding a Segway or something like that. The, yeah, it was
1: on a dolly or he was on a track or something like that. But like the effect of like him feeling out of his body, right? Like that he's so jarred by it that he's no longer. As present as he has been so far, I think. Yeah, they
0: also used. I think they're using like a half frame rate, so like yeah. your normal frame rate's like twenty-four frames. Right. So it looks
2: like it's kind of fast-forwarding. Yeah, so I
0: think they were skipping every other frame, so yeah, you it's cut 12. down to like a twelve frame rate, and it looks, it looks animated because he like kind of flows. Yeah, and, it's and a,
1: this uh, yeah. this sense of like being outside of yourself. Yeah, is what I got out of that. Um, Also, his his costuming in this movie I thought was interesting um, in that he's wearing, he shows up to the scene of the crime in all white with his white hat and his white suit.
0: He looks very sharp in a suit.
1: Looks very sharp in a suit. (laughs) Nobody else looks like that. The rest of the movie is all shot in in dark blues and almost blacks. A lot of the time you have the robbers in these navy outfits. All the other cops are also in their navy outfits and he he really pops with, almost throughout the film, wearing these these soft uh, beige, white, cream colors. almost makes him look like you know the good cowboy, the white hat.
0: <laughs> so unlike a lot of heist films, so I think to like the Ocean's Eleven films, like Ocean's Eleven films are a lot about process. Yes. So it's like they pick a target, they plan for a long time. They, they pull a the team together. Yeah, yeah a they collect those, the team. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's
1: like this is the demolitions guy, this is the driver, yeah. this is the money
0: man. I think what's great about this movie is it forgoes all that. Yeah. The efficiency in it is like the movie starts, they do pick up the team, but they mm-hmm. just, like, pick them up in a car, and then they the heist starts. And yeah. it's more the story of, like,
2: what happens during the heist. Yeah. I mean, like, a lot of it is the mystery process. of what the heist was, right? Yeah. Which I found pretty interesting. Because, I mean, yeah. in Ocean's Eleven, you know what the heist is. You're just curious about if they can successfully um, do it. Pull it off.
0: Yeah. And here they even show them, like, in the safe. And they're just, like, sitting on the money and they're not even, like, touching it. Like, they have a bag of money at all. Like, yeah. Yeah, and and it
1: it seems like they're taking almost random actions some of the time. Like, there's that sequence where they pull the woman out of the room and then they put her in a different room and they blindfold her and then they pretend that they're putting somebody else in there and then they put a third person and it's just, like, shifting all these people around all the time and we don't have a lot of context for, like, what they're doing. That made
2: sense to me in the context of the heist, right? Because you clearly, you want to... Keep the hostages unsure of who's who and all that. Right. So yeah,
1: you. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense within that isolated sense, but like how it fits into the larger plan is unclear. So you get like these bits and pieces, but not yeah. exactly the entire tapestry of it. Um, and it actually worked. Like it, like it, it comes off as like this mystery
0: story. Yeah, yeah. it's not until the end, or like where it, it all, all comes together. Comes together. Yeah. yeah
2: exactly. They actually yeah. show they show you the main robber hiding in his cell just in the yeah. first scene of the movie. Yeah. Um, but I didn't piece back together that that's what that was for some reason, because you don't think that they have the audacity to to build a room inside the storage room, yeah. I guess.
0: Yeah, and he says he's in a cell, and the implication being that he's in jail. Right? Yeah. yeah. But he's, he's not. So I yeah, thought maybe yeah. it was
2: some prequel where he's in jail and plotting some revenge or something like that. Right. Yeah.
1: I, mean, and they, they tell, I mean, that opening scene almost tells you that he probably gets away with it, but it's not clear. And then you have these interviews throughout the heist that look like... They got away with something, but it's not exactly clear what they managed to pull off. Yeah, and so like it gives you enough like little bits of information to like keep you involved with the story and not feel like totally lost. But it's still not so much that the end is is foreseeable. I don't yeah. think it is. I think it's very hard to predict this movie. Yeah,
0: yeah, and even at the very end, they reveal even more characters that were involved that you didn't yeah. like expect to be. Yeah, like the Jewish jeweler guy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and. I guess uh, the
1: guy that was Ziggy and the Wire. There's a yeah. couple of Wire alone in this movie. Yeah, there's um, a number of them. There, I saw at least two. Um, there was Judge, the guy that plays Judge Phelan was in here, and then it was yep. one of the cops, and then Ziggy, yes. the, the most most loathed character in the Wire, I think. <laughs> um,
0: he's the season two kid that like screws it up. He Screws
1: up everything. Literally everything yeah. he does, he does it incorrectly. Yeah. Um, and he was he played a similar role here, right? That he plays like this spaz that almost screws things up for everyone, but he's actually in on it. Um, is the, the twist.
2: Um, so yeah, was, a, he, was he the one that took his mask yeah. off and got punched? Yes. That yeah. Guy. Yeah. He was, okay, because I, I thought there was a hostage and one of the heisters that looked very similar, and so I thought one of those was the guy. No, no, right. guy. So that,
1: it was the same guy. So the, the guy that got punched and was like freaking out about having to put the suit on or whatever was in on it. He was okay. The, I guess he
2: did that so that they would very recognize his very much recognize his face as a hostage. Yeah, yes, exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, which is again part of the scheme all along, and so yeah, it's a clever movie in, in that sense.
0: Yeah, it's it's very smartly written, mm-hmm. um, but to have it come together as well as it does, I think, is in the acting. Yeah, yeah,
1: um, it comes so, along, with, and because there's a lot here that's kind of like that could be big and silly. Yeah. Right, like uh, I think Clive Owen especially should get a lot of credit for this. Like that character could be absurd. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> and he wasn't. <laughs>
0: Clive Owen's an interesting actor because he's in really bad movies, also uh, really good movies. And he's in really good movies, and <laughs> yeah. um, he's kind of like Josh Brolin in that way. Um, sure. There's uh, Gerard Butler is a good. Oh no! Although now Gerard Butler's just in just bad, exclusively bad movies. But he's still like <laughs> yeah. a good actor that, yeah. for whatever reason, acts in only bad movies. Yes. Um, Maybe it,
1: he has fun. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not even Nick, a Nick Cage thing where, like, Nick Cage is, like, like... Tax problems. <laughs> he, right. Well, there's that. And I think that he, in you know, a part, kind of likes it. But even he will stumble upon something, like, transcendent now and then, like, adaptation or or Leaving Las Vegas. Not recently, unfortunately. But not recently. But yeah. uh, Or Bad Lieutenant, right? Yeah. But, um
0: That's probably the last one yeah, that, that was, was like, one. Good. Oh, But
1: Jared Butler, like, I can't think of a good Jared Butler movie at all. Oof! <laughs> right, like I would have I, to look I at. Can't, I TV. can't either. Yeah. Yeah, like some people like three hundred, and those people are wrong though. I, I, so
0: he was good in go- good. Gods he's... of Egypt, which was terrible. <laughs> like I like, like, said, he's
1: good in almost all this stuff. Yeah, right? he's a good actor.
0: Like when you watch Gods of Egypt, you're like, damn! Like Gerard Butler is like, do better, like, man. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. You need that. <laughs> what do you? All this talent on.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised like other people don't recognize that, but like. I'm sure they do. He may just be like pigeonholed for these like kind of crap action movies. Or he just needs better people. Maybe he likes it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Totally fair. But Clive Owen um, is a really good actor. Like, Mm -hmm. in in this this film, he's great. Um, And we just don't see a lot of these films with him in it, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, he's such a good villain. Right? Like he yeah. totally worked as the villain here that the the cold open with him doing well, he's kind
2: of not the villain, right? Right. Yeah,
1: they kind of go back and forth and like the end of it I is mean, that like the, he, the real
2: villain is case. Yeah. Right? Yeah,
1: it is like the real villain is capital yeah. um, and Nazis. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the uh, that cold open that he has where he says, like, my name is whatever, whatever his name is. Yeah, and I only say everything once. So you better listen. I don't argue <laughs> myself and all this. And, like, that was a great hook. Yeah. And he
0: does do violent things. Like, yeah, he beats up the bank manager who is not in on it. No. Nope. Uh, oh, yeah. I
1: mean, he gets a couple in on, on Denzel when they when they tussle.
0: Yes. Yeah. On the ground there. And the guy who's in on it, they like fake him beating them up. But as a viewer, you still think it's real. So, right. Yeah. Right.
1: And he comes across as, as menacing and he, he's cold without being boring. Right? Yeah. Like it's it, he he seems like. This guy that's very confident, obviously, like mm-hmm. thinks he's gonna pull off the perfect crime and he keeps bragging about it, but it's not in a big way. He brags about it in like this matter-of-fact way mm-hmm. that makes it seem like all the more
2: like unnerving. It's kind of like that smart bad guy trope, right? Yeah, it I mean, is. He's got that kind of feel to him.
1: Right, and he, and he nails it here, yeah. right? Like I, I feel like this I, I did
2: really is, like the scene where they were collecting the phones and the bank manager didn't put it in his phone. Yeah. I thought that was really menacing. Yeah. Uh, it was like really scary, so it was really well done there.
1: Well, I, what I like about that that scene is that like they, you get one or two of him like looking through the phones, but then the bulk of the scene is a slow pan across the faces of all the people like watching him gradually try to find a phone with that guy's number in it, to mm-hmm. see if he's lying, mm-hmm. and like that's what really I think solved it is that, yeah. that you see the horror on all these guys' faces, so it's not just about what Clive Owen is doing; it's about the very the, the credible yeah. threat. Of, of what could happen.
2: Although one thing I'm wondering is they did have all the actual hostages unmasked and in the room together for quite a while while they're collecting their phones and stripping them and giving them these outfits. Right. You'd have to think that at least one of them might think something's off when a new person's face shows up in the hostage room. I mean... They just rely it- on nobody having scan the room.
0: It's possible. I would say that, like, in a very traumatic situation, it's difficult to remember small details, particularly faces of sure. people that you don't know. So... That's fair.
1: Yeah. And and part of the point they raised at the end of the yeah. movie when uh, Denzel was talking to his captain or whoever it was, is that for every guy that's saying, yes, that's definitely one of the robbers, there's three people saying, no, I saw that guy being a hostage, right? and like. Any attorney... There were
2: enough interweaving people exactly. To screw up any... So
1: any defense attorney is going to say, "Here's three witnesses that contradict your one, right?" And how do you prosecute that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and ne- never mind that there was not really much of a crime either. So, yeah, yeah, which uh, again is is part of the point. Um, so yeah, I think that's part of the cleverness of the movie is that they they can account for all these little these little things, but it doesn't come across as one of those really. I don't know picky movies right that's like obsessed with detail it's just like the detail is so much a part of the narrative that it becomes Mm -hmm. the whole right and that i like that about it a
0: lot so for small portions of the film we leave the bank and we see jodie foster yes who's like um a fixer she's a fixer Yeah. yeah and she gets a call from chris Plummer, and she has to meet with him and talk about the heist. Uh, So he has something hidden in the bank that he doesn't want found. And she is there to negotiate that object not getting found. Right. Um, She, I thought, was pretty good in this movie just as like a, uh, um, almost like a psychopath character. Yeah. Um, she's willing to work with like really bad people. She does it very professionally and yeah. without... I mean, she plays that uh,
2: amoral, above-your-pay-grade character very well. Yeah, she right.
0: actually says that in the movie at yeah. one point. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
2: that's why I air quotes <laughs> that. Literally yeah. a quote there, yeah. 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 Uh, no, yeah, I thought she was great right here.
0: Yeah, and for, like, a sort of an A-list actor to play such a small role, I think, is interesting. She just kind of breezes in and out of this movie. And, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I mean, part of that is Spike Lee's clout. I think that he he's a big enough name that if you can get him on your resume, that's a good thing for an actor. Yeah, and yeah, get like, Chris
0: Plummer. And like, yeah,
1: same thing with Chris Chris Plummer and, and a lot of these guys. It's like, yes, of course, I want to work with Spike Lee. Yeah. Um, so I think that's part of it. And it's. Good. I bet it was a fun role, right, that mm-hmm. she just kind of gets to play this character that's literally gets to be above everybody else or nearly everybody else that she's with.
2: And... Yeah, it's a big contrast from her uh, Sounds of the Lands character. Yeah. Because sure. in that one, like, she looked very vulnerable and she had a bit of that, like, you can tell she's trying to be extra polite because she knows that she's not in power there. Right. Whereas this one, thing. This, this character has all the power. She's walking over everyone. Yeah, yeah.
0: She. I think one small detail she has, like, a young guy that's, like, her assistant. I think that's, like, an important, like, kind of gender flip where she's, yeah. like, she's the boss and there's some, like, college kid who, like, grovels at, the, yeah. like, every whim that she has. Right. Um. Yeah, that's a good catch. And, uh, yeah, so the other, like, it's a, as Charles said, like it turns out Christopher Plummer's character dealt with the Nazis, got some money from the Nazis. What's interesting is um, Jodie Foster kinda does the same thing in this movie, right? Yes. Like she acknowledges that. Christopher Plummer, like, got his money from the Nazis, and she takes a check at the end of the movie and walks away. Yeah, yeah. And there's a moment where you think that, like, she's going to, like, tear the check up, and she just, like, that, like, doesn't happen. <laughs> no, she just, like, just walks pop, away Yeah, it. Pockets yeah. it,
2: and that's it. No yeah. good, no evil, just business. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. And, yeah, because it, it, this, since we're talking about the ending, like, this feels like a movie that could have ended, like... 15 or 20 minutes earlier and still been a coherent film, Yeah, but is also the, one of the rare movies that goes on for another 15 or 20 minutes and it's not diminished by the extra time. Yeah, Like the, that extra, that makes it more than just, uh, here's the air quotes again, just uh, a genre film.
0: Yeah, I think it's like it's real moral statement like comes from right. the end. And where... and where
1: it's most clearly a Spike Lee movie. Yeah. Right, is at the the end of this one. Cause it, it's unconventional for him to just do a genre movie. That's not his thing, yeah. typically. Um, and, so I think if you know his filmography or even know of his filmography, I think you spend a lot of your time watching this movie like waiting for, like, when is this going to be about race? When is this going to yeah. be about class? When is this going to be about cops beating people up? Yeah. And, like, it happens at the very end.
2: Yeah. Right? Um, There's a few lines here and there. Yeah, but it's not like the...
1: Uh, yeah. it's, it's not, you know, uh, do the right thing. where It's like the, mm-hmm. the thesis of the film.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting for him to kind of... It addressed in like a very subtle way that like the sins of like the Nazis like do continue. We mm-hmm. see like Jodie Foster like continuing that original sin yep. of of what the Nazis did. Yeah. I can imagine that there are like German based company executives. If you see this film, you'd probably feel a little <laughs> yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah, like yeah, if yeah. you're like a Mercedes executive, you might feel like a little... Yep, or Hugo Boss. Yeah. Yeah. Or <laughs> BMW. Yeah. There are plenty. yeah. Yeah, because like all you know, they have similar stories to this like fictional bank. So yeah, yeah. I,
1: and really that's a yeah. critique. I mean, if you want to draw the the line of the lineage from you know present day capital banks, whatever, through where they came from, I mean, you can stop in 1942 or wherever it was and connect it to the Nazis, or you can do, go back all the way to any property. Like this is the whole premise of of property as theft is that it's all based on violence. Right, it's all based on somebody at some point originally coming along and saying, "I'm going to kill this and take it, and it's going to be mine, and I'm going to legitimize it with force." Hmm. And like, I think that's kind of what this this film is getting at, right? Like the, this idea that y- if you go back far enough, you can make the same critique of near anything, mm-hmm. right? And that is a problem.
0: Yeah, I think it's also an interesting statement that like. You know, as much as we want to, like, bury bad things that happened in the past, it's important to, like, continue to try and prosecute them. Yes. Um, yeah.
1: Which is something yeah. we've seen more recently as the last Nazis have started to die out. Right? Like, we're seeing the, yeah. the people that actually were Nazis in Nazi Germany, were guards at concentration camps or whatever, are in their 80s and... 90s even.
0: Yeah. yeah or older.
1: Yeah and you you start seeing people making the argument like well that guys going to be dead in a couple of years like why bother and it's like well it's not about him right it's not about that guy mm-hmm. right it's about affirming as a culture that this is something we want to reject and and punish even if it's way too late right and i think that matters here
2: it's the principle it, of the matter
1: it is the well i mean it's the principle of the matter but it it's almost a practical principle right because mm-hmm. it is still the principle of saying yes we reject Nazism and those that participated it at any point and at any point in their lives, but also the practical matter of if you are ever participate in Nazism, this is what you have to look forward to. We will not stop looking for you. Um, And I think we need to be making that statement as often as possible, Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, you see the rise of Nazism now in the United States, and it's a product of not taking it seriously enough and not punishing enough. Uh, and this movie is obviously very much on the side of punishing Nazis. Yeah,
0: and paying reparations. <laughs> and right? paying rep-
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, the the argument for reparations it goes back to Nazi Germany, but also to America's slaveholding states,
0: which um, I'm sure Spike Lee is like very aware of when he's making this statement. Absolutely, so, yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, which also should happen, right? <laughs> reparations are just <laughs> they. they well, yeah. Act.
0: It's like if you agree with this, that like it's okay to take this wealth and free it, as, yeah. as these robbers do, then you should also agree that like, you should make the same case for reparations for slavery. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you have a problem with this, it's inconsistent to not have a problem with mm-hmm. any of the multitude of institutions. Yeah. That built on slavery. That's
0: like a very subtle message in this movie, but yeah. and it's, they don't beat you over the head with it. They don't even mention it, really. Yeah, but it's there. Yeah, and,
1: yeah you, you have to spot it yourself, I think. And, and part yeah. of that is... Knowing it's a Spike Lee movie, I think. Yeah. Right. Like you, he, you can, you read stuff into a movie that you might not if it's directed by another, another director. Um, but so what? Right. <laughs> like he's taking advantage of it to do something that has content and meaning, and that's a good
2: thing. Yeah. Totally. Totally. I wasn't sure about the actual Jodie Foster plotline itself, though, because I mean. What it amounts to is she kind of walks into the bank and tries to threaten the robber and then realizes that he already has the form so she just walks out and I think that was basically all she did. She tried to bargain with him. Yeah.
1: Right. I didn't read it so much as a threat because what she offered him is you'll only go away for this for three or four years which for armed robbery is a pretty good deal. And like 50 hostages. yeah, 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 and like you assaulted several people, right? Three or four years is a good deal and you'll get $2 million when you come out. Like, that's that's her negotiating with terrorists, essentially, mm-hmm. and, as, as far as what the optics look like.
0: Yeah, and it's a golden ticket, essentially. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah so th- I, that's how I see it, because she makes the point to the Denzel Washington character that she didn't get there by making enemies, but by making friends. And that's exactly what you see her doing throughout the movie, I think, is that she's able to pay people off, pay them off over and over again, um, even if it's with somebody else's money, uh, in this case, the Chris Plummer character. Because uh, she offers uh, Denzel Washington a, a similar deal, and he takes it, right? Like that's the other thread for this character is that if it wasn't for Jodie Foster, he probably would never have made the detective first grade, grade, first grade detective, right? Because um, he kind of screwed it up, right? <laughs> and that he does anyway, and does it maybe even because he screwed up, mm-hmm. is I think important in this movie. Right, just the, the this idea of unearned reward, I think is present here a lot.
2: Yeah, it's just now that I'm thinking about it, it feels like her character wasn't necessary in a way because like the the whole plot with Christopher Plummer being involved with the Nazis is still there because the robbers clearly know about the safety deposit box that has his documents and the diamonds in it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so her character didn't need to didn't need to intervene for this to be like the message or theme of the movie. I think.
0: I think the purpose of it is that um, the bank owner doesn't want to reveal the thing that he's, like, trying to hide. Yeah. And by doing it by proxy is, like, a much better way of, like, hiding his involvement. Because he kind of goes in to the cop, like, headquarters trailer. And was like, can I help at all? And they kind of like brush brush him off. Yeah,
1: you can have a seat over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And
0: I think it's at that point that he realizes that he needs like outside influence on a group that he like doesn't have connections to. And that's when he like makes a call to Jodie Foster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A, so, a, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And and all throughout, he's trying to hide the thing that he wants hidden. Yeah. 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 And, so I, I think that's why the character is there.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's why she's there on a, on a narrative level. Yeah. Um, on a thematic level, I think she she's there to show us how it's easier to take that money as we become farther remo- removed in time from the sin, right? Okay. Because it, Christopher Plummer, like the conceit of his character is that he, it, after he did this one really bad thing where he dealt with the Nazis, spent his entire life giving money to, to charities and helping people that need help and doing all this great stuff, he has all this desk full of awards, uh, but nonetheless like, was unable to assuage his guilt. And the Jodie Foster character is for 60 years removed from that and is able to, does not experience any of that guilt, despite directly benefiting from that exact same sin. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's what it's showing us is that we have to, if you don't want to be like the Jodie Foster character, who, again, is portrayed as psychopathic, really, like unable to feel empathy with others. If, if you don't want to be like her, you have to remember what that original sin was, whether it's Nazism or slavery or... Know, you know, pick your bad act. Like, I think I think that's what this character is doing. That She, she ser- serves as a warning to the audience, don't be like this, Okay, uh, is, is what I got out of her. Yeah, um, but this is still a heist movie, right? Um, the opening sequence, like I think that what you see in this movie is a lot of uh, Spike Lee's flexing his muscles as a filmmaker, right? Like this is not do the right thing that was made in the 80s where he, it's like his second movie and like he's still you know, feeling out how to make a movie. We see a guy very experienced at making movies at this point. And I think you see that in the opening sequence where you have the Clive Owen character knocking out the lights, and they just dis- establish the geography of everything really clearly. You get that bird's eye shot of the, the cars, the, the police cars approaching everything, how mm-hmm. everything is cordoned off. And it's just so crisply
0: told. In the introduction of character, there's a lot of like extras in this movie. Yeah. A lot of like small roles mm-hmm. and uh, it does a pretty good job of, like, introducing characters that sort of come in and out of the film later. Yeah, and distinguishing um, them from each other. Yeah. Right? Like, so many people, it'd be easy to for
1: them to get conflated with another, with one another, especially in a movie where the point is conflating people with one another. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it makes and, it feel
0: like a very full film. Yeah, like, it, it does. There's a lot of extras in this film, and they're, most of them you, like, kind of remember. A lot of, like... Walking in here, New Yorker guys. And <laughs> the one too. that
1: speaks Albanian or Armenian yeah. or
0: whatever it was. And the cop crack me up. Like the, the initial <laughs> yeah. cop on the scene. And, yeah. um yeah. The
2: woman from. The, the friend dress you're sounding. Yeah. 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 No, the, a yeah. lot St- of like. Staten Island lady. Yeah. Yeah. Real New Yorker characters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. she it, more of a, hey, I'm talking here. Talking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, and the guy like, gives her a hard time about it, and yeah, it's all these little characters that he manages to characterize within like two or three lines, yeah. right? and like, that's really tough to do, and it speaks to good writing, but also good directing, and that he's able to tell them how to draw that out. Like, he's able to get that kind of performance out of, out of so many different people. Like, it, it, it says to me that he knows what the film needs, um, and it, it needs to be able to differentiate between all these people. Right. Because, I mean, if imagine if you it'd be easy to cut those characters out, like the, mm-hmm. the I'm talking to your lady or the the uh, Asian guy that, you know, gives her a look or whoever. The guy from Lost. The guy from Lost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that gives her a look at yeah. it. But the movie would feel so much thinner for it. And I think it would pull away from the idea that we're confusing all of these people, not because because of these small details and. The, how they fit into this
0: larger context. There's also the, the rabbi, which is a great character, and yeah. the um, kind of older woman who refuses to change into right. the painting gear. Right. Um, mm-hmm. She was great in it too. Yeah. Um, and then
1: she was in two scenes.
0: Right. Yeah. When they're interviewing her later, I think she like did the best of like all the extras in like those interviews. Like she yeah. she like nailed that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You have a sense of like. I know
1: that. i know that lady. i've seen her before yes right? exactly same and same thing with the with stan island lady right like we've seen that lady before i know who that is
0: yeah she's like the can i talk to your manager like older white person yeah <laughs> right exactly yeah
1: exactly everything is an inconvenience yeah. for her yeah yeah right like that we can have that kind of conversation about a character with you know There's a few t- lines in the movie t- like few fewer yeah. than 10 lines is is kind of extraordinary yeah um, There's also the
0: young kid and his father. His father's not much of a character in the movie, but yeah. the young kid is presented a, f- a few times.
1: So. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. reminds me. Um, Spike Lee knows nothing about video games. Nothing at all. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <Yeah. laughs> like That was immediately clear.
0: He was trying to make some commentary on Grand Theft Auto, very yeah, it was like, clearly. Yeah, that's clearly and was based uh, on. That that did not connect for me. No, yeah. no,
1: it, it it that was the only moment where it was. It was very obvious that he did zero research really into what he was <laughs> talking about. Yeah, because yeah, like all the lingo he uses and what he. Actually that felt
0: like uses, a very like kids these days. Yes, moment. hello, fellow kids. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. No, not even that. It's more no, like no. It's like, like a shaking lawn. your
0: fist at like yeah young yeah, yeah. Kids, old man, fix
1: really. fist at cloud. It's like, <laughs> yeah. <that's the> thing.
0: <laughs> no, it's like a very very like. David Brooksian moment where like right he's shown his age. Yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah. Not, he's not a young man anymore. Yeah.
1: Um, but th- that was the only the only moment in the movie I think that really didn't ring true for me and it yeah. a pretty minor one. Um, but yeah, th- and same thing on the other side of the fence, right? Like all the cops you have the um, the cop that is racist and gets told <laughs> off for it. yeah You have the uh, the lady cop that's taking the phone calls and the in uh, the police truck or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah I mean all like these HQ. Yeah, the captain guy uh, who was on the wire. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's all these little characters that you can still you know identify.
0: And um really small detail one of the cops in like the HQ thing yeah. is a black guy, but he's just disabled as well. And they never like acknowledge that. He's no, just really? like, in a, he's in a wheelchair, he's in a wheelchair. You're right.
2: Yeah. I don't remember that. I, he has I a few
0: lines it. in the film. You don't even notice it cause he's just like sitting, but he's like, he's in a wheelchair. Okay. And like, that's like a very Spike Lee thing. I think like he, the, the cast is very diverse throughout and like on many different levels yeah. as well. Um, yeah. So. Well, and it, I was like, yeah, good, good job. Good, good work. And it,
1: it feels like the, I mean, we all live in where this movie takes place. It felt true to New York. To me, to, yeah,
0: some was a little over the. the I'm walking <laughs> here, New Yorkers, is like a little over the top, but I mean, yeah. I don't know.
1: I used to work with a lot of construction workers like that guy.
0: Yeah, not
2: oh, yeah. that,
0: not that
1: far removed from how yeah. they actually talk. Yeah. Yeah. See, they I actually, feel like I've
2: never encountered those people. Oh yeah, life. they're yeah. they're real.
1: Like that is absolutely a thing. <laughs> and
2: it, it, I love that guy. He's like Albanian. Like, <laughs> he's like 100 <"100%." laughs> percent. Yeah,
1: and they drag him into the the yeah. APU. He's like, Am and I they arrested? They <laughs> they, yeah, i arrested. Now they play the thing for him. He's like, I don't know. They're saying, yeah, I don't speak Albanian, yeah. but that's definitely Albanian. <laughs> like that, that whole spiel was such a great character. Um, there were a few moments like that, like when he they finally get um, the Clybone character on the phone and he asks him what weighs more, all of the redwoods to, that that they, felt like
2: a bit of a Die Hard 3
0: moment, right? Thing.
1: Yeah, like all the redwood that they use to cut to, to print money in the United States,
0: yeah, but they're, they're referencing. Die Hard, right there, yeah. right. That's like a. It's yeah. got to be. Yeah, yeah
1: it, it definitely is. And
0: they're trying to show you like this is not that kind of movie, right? Right. Yeah, where yep. it's like in Die Hard, it's like this very like over the top criminal who's like super heady and he like tricks you with his mind <laughs> and like. <laughs> well, th- I mean, that, in like... Die Hard, it was all
2: also meant to be a diversion from the real crime in Die Hard Three. Yeah, but that was all like the, the
0: primary plot of the film was like trying to solve his his riddles. Right, but they were all like they are all yeah.
2: diversion away from stealing gold. Yeah, yeah, right. they
0: they serve a similar function. Yeah, it, it, like,
1: Die Hard is a movie about hero man going in and shooting the bad guy and saving everybody and blowing shit up.
0: It's, it's a comic film, like right. a comic book film. Right, and this so like,
1: movie yeah. is, is very explicitly not that. Right, because yeah. I mean, what happens at the end of the movie is the cop ends up agreeing with the robber. Yeah, <laughs> Right, like yeah. that's that's the conclusion here. And I think that's what that's calling attention to, is at early signaling to us later on, is that this mm-hmm. is not a movie where Denzel Washington is gonna be the hero, right? At least he's not gonna be a hero in the same way that John McLean is the hero. I think that that's, that's what they're telling us, in the same way that the Clive Owen character is not gonna be a villain in the same way that the, what's the bad guy in Die Hard called?
0: Hans Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber, yeah. Hans no, Gruber. in Die Hard 2, it's- or three, it's Ghan's Gruber's brother, but yeah, forget what his it's name. It's the is. other Gruber, Mr. Yeah. Gruber, Eric yeah. Gruber. Yeah, um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, that that he's not that kind of villain either, right? Like he's he's not there to just for his own personal enrichment, even though he does value that. He could have gotten a lot more than he actually did, and it was yeah. therefore more important to him to make his point yeah. than it is to you know gain as much money as possible. Yeah,
2: it was a fun little moment though. They all they all oh, yeah, they're like, oh, I, I know it's a trick question because. <laughs> Money is printed on cotton and not paper. Right. They figure out
1: half of it first and, like, not quite the other half. And yeah. I like that they call him back and he immediately says, Oh, I have to call you back and hangs up again. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was that was pretty good. It felt like a, a it, it, I mean, it feels like a moment when you're, like, at trivia or something. Yeah. And everyone's, like, spouting up answers and, like, you're gradually copying together what the real thing is, right? Like, it felt like a bunch of people trying to figure a thing out. Yeah. Like
2: and it was funny seeing uh, Chiwatela GF4 have that smart ass look on his face when he's like, Oh, Grand Central Station is the post <laughs> the office, office actually yeah. uh,
0: but they actually don't never get to the answer right like they're still arguing about it right. after the scene right and right. they never like get to they it. They never so They're,
2: they're arguing yeah. over the wrong version of the question over how many trains yeah. pass through Grand Central because they're like, wait, but it's also the end of the train so none of the trains pass through it, right? But yeah. well, well, then they're like get,
0: subways, right? Yeah, and one guy keeps <laughs> hollering so about funny. Metro North. Yeah. <laughs> There's
1: Metro North, Metro North is in Grand Central. Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: That reminds that so me of Willem Dafoe in this film. Too, yeah. And yeah. plays a great like little small role. In well, he's it. such a good actor. Yeah. yeah I, he didn't
1: do a whole lot. He, yeah, it's a smaller role, yeah. right? Like it's not. He's
0: kind of like the workaday like Hardline cop guy, right? Yeah, I don't have time for your bullshit. Yeah, 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 he like is that character, right? Well, and he's
1: the in a different movie. He's the character that would be black, right? To the white hostage negotiator, right? That's true. I, I think that that is part of what's going on here mm-hmm. as well, because um, there's a little bit of like early. It doesn't come up again, but early in the film, there's a little bit of a power struggle. Right, oh. and you have Denzel Washington having to assert his authority and say, "Yes, I'm in charge here. I'm doing this thing." And
2: because he's subbing for someone else,
1: right? And then it, I guess it does come back a little bit later on when they almost storm the the bank, and yeah. like Willem Dafoe gets to take control at that point, and he
2: has to pull him back. I'm glad that that moment, by the way, I'm glad that moment didn't end up being too significant in yeah. the grand scheme of things. Because I thought it was a little cheesy or dumb that they forgot about the bug in the metal plate thing. Uh, and ended up storming the place, and I'm just glad that didn't end up mattering. Oh I yeah, guess. But, yeah. Because if it were a bigger part of the plot that they were listening in on, it'd be a little silly that they let this through. It would have been,
1: it would have felt cheap, I think. Yeah. But I think it did serve its, the, the purpose within the film. it yeah, worked Like for in what the it moment, was. I was
2: a little mad. It seemed cheap. Yeah. Um, but as the film played on it was just it just kind of got forgotten and i'm very glad for that
1: yeah well i think it, i think it would have felt worse if like that undermined everything that they've been doing at that point rather than just being like a snag that they catch at the last minute yeah. right like and because it was used that way i think it worked but if it had been like oh this was in here the whole time and now everything is ruined right like that wouldn't have been as effective yeah
2: although these the whole like oh they've been listening in on this the whole time so they know we're going in and then the. I'm going in anyway sort of thing. That was a right. little that was a little much.
1: Right. But again, it didn't it ended up not mattering. Yeah,
2: thankfully it didn't matter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good all good faces by Spike Lee. that. He he knows what he's doing.
0: Yeah. Um he also communicates a lot through music in this film. Yes. Where like even to the point where it's kind of distracting. Um <laughs> but there uh so the moments I can think of are when Denzel and Clive Owen are on the phone with each other. Even as they switch from the inside the bank conversation to the outside the bank conversation, the music changes, and it's like very quick like cuts of music back and forth. So like inside the bank, there's like a very intense like like there's something happening here. Music, yeah, and then outside, it's it's more like a little more chill, kind of like jazzy almost, Mm. and that flip-flop happens as the conversation's happening. So like Clive Owen will be talking, it's like very intense music, and then uh, (laughs) Denzel's talking, talking, and it's like a little more jazzy, and like it it, it keeps switching back and forth to the point where it's a a little distracting, but Spike Lee's like trying to just communicate that, like here's the intensity or like the like temperature of like the moment that you're in right now. Yeah, and and the
1: the temperature for these characters. Characters, Yeah, 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 and then
0: Denzel also has this like, very sultry cop girlfriend who <laughs> that character was ridiculous um, <laughs> God. who like he calls and there's always like sexy jazz music like <laughs> yeah. playing yeah it's
2: got that long high note right yeah, yeah well and, and
0: you only see her like legs on the bed like yeah
1: <laughs> or so, i like yeah. at the end of the movie when he gets yeah. home yeah and he has some like joke about his gun yeah he has to take his gun off before they they yeah. sleep together or something it's, yeah like that that was the, the goofiest part of the movie yeah. for me was that character.
2: Well, it was the same exchange that they had the phone at the beginning of the movie, right? Right? He, right. She, he's like, "Oh, you brought the twins," and she's like, "Oh, you brought your gun." Yeah. It's
1: like, oh, okay, we get it. <laughs> Guns are penises. <laughs> Thank you. Spike. I, I like, like
2: that sex. flavor.
0: Like it, it was like a nice relationship like between the two of them. Right. But, like, right. It, I mean, that it was like, like, like very forward, like erotic relationship that they have. Right? Yeah. Just like at work.
1: Yeah. <laughs> just, just doing that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Th- that whole time, I was like, "Oh no," because. I thought he was going to propose with the blood yes. ring. <laughs> yeah, I also thought that. Too. I was like, "Hold oh, no, on, that'd be terrible." Yeah. He didn't end up doing that, thankfully. Yeah.
1: It'd be hard to to hide that one from, you know, the IRS or also his bad. bosses. <laughs> like, now your your fiance suddenly has the largest diamond anybody yeah. has ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I did like the, you know, slipping the diamond into his pocket at the end of the movie. Thing. That was cute. That they was... Had
2: that little like ass flashback yeah. moment that you want in every oh, nice movie. Oh, you. <laughs>
1: you, you did it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that that worked pretty well.
0: Yeah, um,
1: for me anyway. Uh, I, I can Whenever I see Chris Plummer in a movie now, I can't not think of uh, Kevin Spacey. It's like, what would yeah? What would of, Kevin Spacey do? We, well, what would Kevin Spacey look like in this in this role? Has has, Kevin, has Chris Plummer like replaced Kevin Spacey in everything now?
2: <laughs> like, he plays a similar role. I, I didn't see uh, all the money, all the in, the money world, in the world, but. I, it looks like a similar style of role that, like, like dude in suit, overlord, like rich more old white dude. Age but, yeah. appropriate for this role, obviously. Like, you know,
0: like Kevin Spacey would look very young. Like, yeah, they're like ten years apart at yeah, least. Yeah, yeah, probably more. More than that. probably. Well, yeah.
2: Spacey had old man makeup for all the money in the world. Yeah, I yeah, saw yeah. an early trailer they had. Him Why still, not just like, hire an old guy? It <laughs> yeah, it looked really, really, really bad. So okay. In many ways, it was better that they replaced Kevin Spacey.
1: Well, it, didn't Chris Plummer get nominated for best supporting?
2: I believe so for that, Golden
1: Globe. Mm-hmm. Oh, was a Golden
0: Globe? Not I don't know Oscar. if it was an Oscar, but okay. for Golden Globe, I'm for, for his sure, seven yeah. days of filming.
1: Yeah. Right, like so that'd be hilarious. Like if he's brought in the last minute and wins uh, wins his Oscar for yeah. for yeah. that, that would be pretty. Just that'd be funny. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope that happens. Uh,
0: um,
2: so any any final thoughts on this film? Um, thumbs up. Yeah, I Sounds thought it was like a lot it. of fun. Um, I, I will say that at parts, it felt like it was dragging on a little long uh, and not just like the ending. You mentioned the ending goes uh-huh. on beyond the actual ending of the heist. There were parts that felt like they there, there were times where I felt like the movie was dragging a bit. And I'm not sure how to describe why uh, it's just there was a lot of time where they're just kind of waiting in the bank. Um, while they're for their building, plane. while they're building the room and whatnot, without the the actual heist or the plot actively advancing, and that felt a little strange to me. Um, but otherwise, very entertaining and clever movie.
1: Yeah, I liked it a lot. And that reminds me that it's kind of an intertextual movie, too, right? Because mm-hmm. they mention um, Dog Day Afternoon. It's like, he's seen Dog Day Afternoon. He knows he's not going to get a plane. <laughs> yeah, <like> that, <laughs> I that haven't pretty, seen that. They ask for a plane. Turns out they don't get it. Oh. Yep, spoilers. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I like that about it, too, that, like, because I think there are movies that avoid those kind of pop culture references, even when they would feel really natural in conversation. And
0: Dog Day Afternoon is based on a real event yeah. as well. So. True story. Yeah.
1: yeah it, that's a great movie. Yeah, Dark Afternoon is a really great movie.
0: Um, I like this film. Always concerned with films like this that they don't hold up. Like the reveal Mm -hmm. of a film like this may not like hold up or like have the same like like cool coolness to it. Yeah. Um, But I think it it holds up.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I agree. They they sold it. Yeah, I I saw this. uh, I rented it like shortly after it was released. I didn't see it in theaters, so I saw it in like 2007 or something. Uh, So I I did not remember it that well, and it still worked pretty well for me, um ten years later. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was good.
0: Yeah, I like I like the film a lot. Um I'm glad Charles liked it. It broke yep. our me, me too. Yeah, we were
1: Yeah, we were on a cold streak there. Uh, Charles <laughs> um, not liking our pills. A few misses in a row. Yeah, so yeah. I'm glad we could uh, uh, yeah. redeem ourselves. Or you could, anyway.
0: Yeah. Um, but well, I got the next one. So yeah, what see. do you want to try your hand at?
1: Yeah, um, so I've, I've had Spielberg on the brain a lot lately. Um, and we have talked about Munich several times, oh, yeah. uh, both on and off air. I want to do that one for next week. Okay. Uh, music. Munich, um, it is a...
2: Didn't they? They referenced it in this movie. In they referenced the actual game. event. Yeah, well, yeah, not, yeah, the, not but, the movie, I mean, even though I
1: think the movie that move, Munich does predate this movie, but not by a lot.
0: They also seem to misremember the events in Munich in, okay, in, in the Inside movie? Man. Yeah, yeah. They, they seem confused on the details of Munich. There's, it's complicated. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So we'll we'll clarify the details next week. Yeah, uh, when we watch the actual movie. Um, so, join us for Munich, um, but also stay tuned because we have our new segment. What are we calling it? I forgot the name you came up with. Things first, We've right? Seen. Things We've Seen, right. Yeah, so, so. we're
0: going to take a quick break, which will be seamless for the listener. Right. And we'll <laughs> come back with Things We've Seen. Yeah, recently. All right. Welcome back to our new segment. Uh, this is called Things We've Seen. Each of us are going to take a few minutes to discuss something that we've seen recently and talk about whether or not we enjoyed it or didn't enjoy it. Um, so Charles, you've elected to go first. So. Sure what have you seen recently
2: um so lately the metrograph has been showing a movie called tall and i forget the subtitle but it's about the american skyscraper and lewis sullivan's uh, impact on uh, the architectural style of skyscrapers in its infancy um mm-hmm. so it's kind of a documentary or like biography of lewis sullivan and telling about you know the beginnings of um, skyscraper architecture in america it's a series it's just one movie, okay. um, and it was actually made in the early 2000s, huh. um, but the Metrograph was showing it recently for some reason. And weirdly enough, the theater was like completely full. Like I got there, and I got the last ticket. I was very surprised by that this. It like was Metrograph. a Saturday night, but I didn't expect that many people to be showing up for this like old skyscraper yeah, documentary. Yeah, that's true. So, at Metrograph all the time. Yeah. One,
0: one thing that like started to become popular in the mid two thousands um, was just these like sort of pop history books about like a very specific subject. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. So the thing that comes to mind is like, was a book called Salt, and it was just like <laughs> the, the history of salt, and like uh, that was like a thing, in like yeah, sort of like <laughs> early to mid. 2000s yeah does it it fall kind of in line with that or
2: Uh, i don't know enough about those to really say but like this movie was kind of my jam because i'm a big fan of architecture but specifically skyscraper architecture um so this it was a lot of fun to watch this it had a lot of beautiful shots of buildings and like concept art and drawings of buildings and architectural models and that kind of thing um and i just love seeing those Uh, It was interesting to find out the history of, like, you know, why skyscrapers were able to be built um, and what went into thinking about the design because, you know, at first they just took short buildings and stretched them out, right? But then people actually came in and started thinking about how to artistically design them. Sure, how to use that extra Um, space, yeah. Yeah, and it was interesting to see, um, like, Louis Sullivan's philosophy on how skyscrapers should look. And he kind of clashed with some other architects, um, and he was not the winner. And so we went into things like neo-Gothic styles and hmm. stuff based on like ancient Roman and like um, like the Gothic cathedrals and that kind of stuff, which Louis Sullivan actually did not support. Uh, and then, you know, further ev- evolutions in style to like the 60s where, you know, they did away with ornamentation uh very like function over over style sort of architecture that also that louis sullivan wasn't alive to see but would have hated because he was big (laughs) on ornamentation uh it's because of like the corporate takeover of architecture uh they explored stuff like the the client and artist relationship because the clients would often fight against ornamentation because it's cheaper not to have it um so there's some interesting uh insight into how this world worked And we're still affected
0: by that. Like, if you look at the Empire State Building and, like, Chrysler Tower, like, the kind of two jewels of New York City. Yeah. And everything made in the 70s and later looks like
2: shit. (laughs) Um, I I like the minimal office towers, actually. I (laughs) like those a lot um, because it's an interesting exploration of shape and silhouette. But I do understand that it's not interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's something
0: to be said for, like, modernism in buildings, but... Yeah, but but not exclusively. So the documentary is like an interesting form. I feel like Netflix has like opened up the documentary in a lot of sense. So like in prior to the Netflix era, like documentaries would kind of just like come and go and like you would never really see them except for like a few Errol Morris documentaries Mm -hmm. that everybody loved. Um, And now it's like such a prominent form that everybody watches, which is bizarre. Yeah, Uh, no. but netflix has just made it like really consumable and like yeah. much more accessible to yeah it,
1: it, and part of it's the, yeah. the, the the true crime revival not revival mm-hmm. but like trend that we've seen lately yeah people fucking love people true love crime that stuff. and stuff
0: <laughs> and it's great like i love mickey murder i think it's yeah. one of the best things same I've thing seen. with the jinx the oj documentary is incredible yeah yeah yeah,
1: yeah all, the, all of that um and it's yeah. espn like
0: the 30 of those, for 30 series all of 30 is 30. mind-blowing it's yeah. every single one is incredible i've seen a few that are like mediocre but mediocre for 30 for 30. Yeah, yeah. in
1: general. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right.
1: All right. Um, anyway, I watched stuff this week too. Uh, anyone who's who's spoken with me recently is likely tired of my Paddington proselytizing, but I'm <laughs> going to continue anyways. Uh, this is Paddington really, is really high on my list. Is, yes, you go see uh, it. Um, Paddington. If you haven't seen the first one, have you seen the first one? No,
0: I need to see that one too, which is also like a 99% movie. Yeah, or it's on Netflix, yeah. so there's literally no excuse. So it. And it's like The new one, longer. last I checked, is still 100%. Really? And it had like 150 Oreos. Oh, and it was 100% Round Tomatoes, which is, I think that'll put it, ahead in their algorithm ahead of Get Out, meaning that it's the best movie of all time. Of all time. Yeah. Get Out was
2: I, listed up there? Because I thought they said Lady Bird uh, had the record for best reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Or possibly.
0: Something. But for a while, that, that could have changed since I checked. But the last I checked, Get Out was like algorithmically the best okay. film on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: Yeah, I think it might have which had Which doesn't
0: really reviews. mean anything. It's only specific to their algorithm. Yeah. but. They are still the site that records this, and that's very impressive. Yeah, like a,
1: Paddington 2 yeah. is not the best movie of all time, but it, yeah, yeah, it, so far it's the best movie of 2018. Like, I here we are, yes, yeah, <laughs> here we are at yeah. the end of January. <laughs> um, solidly the best movie of 2018.
0: Interesting, <laughs> though, that January is becoming a strong month for movies. Get Out came out in January or February, I forget. It was February, and okay. um. I think Mad Max came out in January, too. I might earlier be wrong than you, in that. No, yeah. I think
2: it was shit. I early. thought that was a fall movie, but I don't remember for sure. I remember watching
1: the NBA playoffs after seeing Mad Max, so yeah. it must have been later in the year. So all right. <laughs> so
0: January though is no longer a dumping ground for films or good movies that are coming out. Yeah,
1: yeah, well, I think we're starting to see like some of the smaller festival and foreign films coming out because I saw The Insult this week as well, which was mm-hmm. nominated for a Best Foreign Film Oscar. We have a fantastic woman coming out this week, another Oscar candidate in the uh, foreign film category. Uh, So I think that's what we're starting to see uh, January and February be used as, is like this place for smaller but still good movies. Yeah. Um, But in any event, I want to talk about Paddington. (laughs) Um, So the first one is about uh, immigration and like uh, integrating into a new society. As uh, as an outsider, we have Paddington, this Peruvian bear that is eventually uh, forced to immigrate to London and he struggles to you know, acclimate to the, the new culture that he's in and so forth. And eventually it does because it's a kid's movie. <laughs> and I think it would have been easy for a sequel to that movie, a thematically rich children's movie, to either just replicate the themes that were in the earlier movie, and it still would have been a good movie if it did that, mm-hmm. or to just run away from it and just be a straight, you know, kid's movie about a silly bear. Instead, it is a, a kid's movie about a silly bear, but it's also about cultural exchange. So it almost takes the next step in what the immigration story looks like, where it is about taking what you remember from Peru, or wherever you have immigrated from, and bringing it into your new culture, exchanging it with other immigrants in that culture, and enriching everybody because of it. So it becomes this movie that, again, builds on the immigrant story in a way that doesn't replicate what Paddington, the first Paddington did, Uh, but also it has a larger story about genuinely trying to see the good in people and what when you do that what you gain from it what everybody gains from it and how your community improves because of that Mm -hmm. and tying that into an immigration story about looking to these people that many would perhaps view as cultural invaders and instead seeing them as someone who can you can offer something to that can offer something to, to you and enrich the world because of it and it becomes just this very just charming sweet funny story um, that very easily could have been, look at, here's a silly bear that's like, you know, got his head stuck in the marmalade jar or whatever. <laughs> um, so it's, it works for kids. It works for adults. It's, it's rich. It's complicated. It's funny. Uh, two, too go see it.
0: It's, yeah, it's really high on my list. I need to yep. see the first one, though. So that's it's what's been holding good. me back. Yeah,
1: yeah, I actually think I did like the sequel more. A lot of people have been saying they prefer the first one. I think mm-hmm. I might like the sequel more. Uh, but they're both phenomenal. So go watch them.
0: I remember when the first one came out, I was so confused. It <laughs> right. Looked, it looked like the worst movie. Yeah, just like a and dumb it movie. It was getting, like, rave reviews. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah, so, Yeah, another
1: both have great villains, too. Both excellent villains in each one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Hugh Grant in this one. The first one had uh, Nicole Kidman. Right. And... Mm-hmm yeah, go go check it out. Uh, what do you see? Crossman, something good?
0: Yeah. Um, so I saw this movie that's also been kind of quietly getting really good reviews is um, this film called The Brawl in Cell Block 99. I've heard of it, I haven't seen it yet. Um, it stars Vince Vaughn, um, probably the best acting he's done in a long time. And it stars Jennifer Carpenter, who was most notably um, Dexter's sister in okay. the show Dexter. Um, so oh, all...
2: Dexter not Dexter's lab. Yes. No. Okay. Dexter the oh, is she murderer. D? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um this uh this is a grindhouse film by like every like this this is a great grindhouse film. Um and there's a lot of very brutal fight scenes in this movie and that's really the reason to watch it is to see uh <laughs> Vince Vaughn do some pretty impressive like boxing he's he's like a former like he actually does it His former boxer it's definitely Vince Vaughn doing the the getting punched in the face yeah and it is brutal <laughs> wow uh one of the most like some of the most brutal stuff like I've ever seen I was in a stack of the raid um it's more gory than the raid but very much it's like a, a more like it's not as, like, 100% action as the it okay. is. There, There's a lot of quiet moments, and they build up a lot to the fights, but when the fights happen, they are crazy. Uh, yeah. Some things I've never seen on film. Wow. Um, for example, <laughs> uh, if you want to see someone get their jawbone kicked out of their face... This is the movie? ...that happens in this film.
2: Fucking wow. like Mortal Kombat? <laughs>
0: yeah. Pretty much, but, like, very realistic, but not realistic in, like, a grindhouse way. Yeah. Um, And I think Grindhouse refers to, like, a low-budget film where over-the-top violence Mm -hmm. happens. And it's most notable from, like, the late 70s and, like, early 80s. Yeah, well, and Grind is
1: a double meaning there, right? Because they're talking about grinding up bodies because everyone's getting beat up, but also grinding the film out week after week. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. And it very lovingly, like, embraces that. Um, The movie has really terrible reactionary politics in it but okay. i think i think the writer and the director and the people who are acting it know that and are engaging with that like they're doing it like on purpose where there's kind of like a, a a good guy who's also a bad guy but he's on a mission and the mission is moral and just and like okay. so he's the um, punisher yeah it kind of like has a punisher element to it and I uh, i'm not sure still how to unpack it. Huh. um but the the film like does this like knowingly i think there's smart people who made this film mm-hmm. they made it in this way on purpose um so it's interesting to see that but i don't they don't seem to be commenting on it though so i'm not like sure what to do with it but it's really interesting the way that they like engage with the politics in the film um and it's 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 a great film it's on amazon prime for free right now so if you mm-hmm. have okay. prime like i highly recommend um watching it it's it's a thrilling film. Okay. Uh, I
1: remember I remember hearing about it like a year ago and I like vaguely. It really feels like yeah.
0: a very like angry film. Okay. Like I've never I, I see that so rarely but the film feels like very angry. It, um, I mean the descriptions
1: I've heard of it yeah. it reminds me of something like Green Room or Blue Ruin or something like that the Jeremy Salome <laughs> films.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know what to compare it to really. It's just like the Vince Vaughn character is like quietly stewing like a lot of the films okay. and when it comes out it really comes out um, and it starts off early in the film where uh, and this is not a real spoiler but it's like his girlfriend is like cheated on him and he tells her to go inside and proceeds to destroy her car by hand and apparently oh. Vince Vaughn actually did like a lot of the things <laughs> well, so shit. like he punches the one of the headlights. And his hand comes out. He's all cut up and he has glass in his hand.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and apparently they they rigged it so that he wouldn't really get hurt. But he, like, actually, like, punched through, like, a headlight. So and, like, wow. and he picks up the hood of the car and, like, throws it. And, like, apparently he, like, it's a real car hood or something. So <laughs> they're, Vince, great, they're heavy. Yeah. yeah big and, but what's yeah. also interesting is that Vince Vaughn is kind of this, like, over-the-top character where he's, like, very strong. But he looks like he doesn't look like a Chris Pratt like comic book hero strong where like a, a goofy guy kind of worked out for like 10 months and then okay. he's like ready for the film yeah, yeah. he looks like a strong but not like the like cut that well, he's is big, like really he, in films right now he's a big yeah.
1: dude just naturally yeah he's
0: like six five yeah something. he's just
1: a big yeah. tall guy yeah yeah so i guess
0: that makes sense um Fascinating film, uh, really, really strange. Highly recommend it. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I
1: haven't avoided it. I just I didn't know where where it was available, but it was hard point.
0: to uh, Prime is is where it's at. Sweet. And I heard other people raving about it. It's the only reason that I knew anything about it. Okay. And yeah, I got some festival buzz. Yeah, it's it is like a festival action film, yeah. but it's good, and I recommend it. Okay, so yeah. we got
1: Tall, Paddington Two, and Brawl and Cell Block Ninety Nine. Yeah. Nine. So, go check those out, in addition to Munich, which we'll be watching next week for the, for the show. Um, I hope you guys liked the new segment. Let us know um, if it worked for you, if you want to hear more, more stuff like this. Um, and, of course, thank you for listening. If you like the show, please share it with people. Uh, Facebook has changed their algorithms. Uh, so there, it, the, the Facebook page itself that we post the episodes on shows up less frequently on people's news feeds um, and it will show up more frequently if other people are sharing the show. So anything that you can do to share with other folks on your social media outlet of choice um, is greatly appreciated. Anyway, thanks for tuning in and join us next week for Munich.